0: and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people typically called immigrants, but perhaps better described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. In each episode, we'll be hearing all about their journeys to Canada's East Coast in their own words. Today, our guest is Purnell Fisher-Bolter. Hi, Purnell. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. How are you? Great.
0: It's so great to talk to you. So a little bit about you for those who are listening and watching. Um, So you're originally from Denmark and you came to Canada in 1998 and you have over 20 years experience in international trade. Uh, And not only all of those amazing great things, but you have a master's in business. You attended St. Mary's University when uh, you were in Halifax and you founded uh, your own company, Kisserup, in the same year that you arrived in Canada in 1998. Writing the book, too, uh, for those who may not know that the book Tales from an Immigrant Entrepreneur, One Woman's Story, uh, you know, has obviously inspired a lot of people. And it's almost instructional, too, to kind of not only be that mentor for women or just people who are moving to a different country in general, but really is a how-to guide, right? Uh, So why don't we start talking about uh, that book, your book, Tales from an Immigrant Entrepreneur, One Woman's Story? What did you kind of hope to achieve when you were starting to write that?
1: I think I hoped that the road to establishing successfully a new place could be a little easier for other people. So I I think I spent a lot of time writing about what worked, but also what didn't work. Uh, I wanted to share that with fellow immigrants, no matter where they, they are or, or established in the world, because I don't think it's. It's only applicable to, to Canada. I think it's mm-hmm. applicable to anywhere in the world.
0: What would be the best lesson one could get from your book? Is there something in particular that, you,
1: that really stands out to
0: you as the author?
1: What, what I heard from most people who, who gave me feedback uh, or who contacted me and said, this helped me, I think a lot of people, the majority of people said, what really helped me was the never give up thing. Mm-hmm. And in, in Nova Scotia or in the East Coast, Canada, we have often been very good at attracting people, but not so good at retaining people. Yes. Luckily, that statistic is changing, right? But the retaining people is closely uh, related to people feeling not to giving up when it doesn't succeed the first time or the first 10 times Mm -hmm. or whatever you do. And there's also that sort of community
0: aspect of it, too, of just support from people whether it is people who were born and raised in the East Coast of Canada or just the community that they're trying to, uh, you know, build and associate themselves with. It's that support that's going to help, you know, people feel encouraged and, and want to stay here.
1: That's that's very true. Uh, part of when you come from a different country and don't have relations or don't enroll in a in a school as a child or something is there is no network, right? Mm-hmm. There's no... There's no, there's nobody standing there welcoming you into some sort of activity, or and if you are a young person looking for a job or looking for establishing for for a new life, that's tough. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so your community really counts. It it means so much when somebody in community reaches out, but you also have to engage yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think reading about you and learning about your journey here that is really what you did and what you accomplished. And your book clearly is going to encourage and inspire people. And, you know, when I was reading a little bit about you online, you didn't have a great start when you first arrived in Canada. So you want to maybe talk a little about your journey um, from Denmark and and how you
1: came to be in, in Halifax? Yeah, I didn't know much about the East Coast of Canada. As many people in the world, Canada is sort of Toronto. And, and then there's, there's cold, cold winters, and it's this clean, pristine country, you know, the call of the wild, but, but that's about it. So when I married a Canadian who is not from uh, the East coast, moving to the East coast was a totally different part of Canada for him too. Mm -hmm. So we were both new to it. And I came from Europe with a lot of experience in the IT sector. And in 1998, just about 82% of all our exports went to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the, the the companies in the IT sector were very limited. So there was a focus on the U.S. and the U.S. market, of course.
0: Yeah.
1: So all this knowledge that I thought I came with from Europe, people were like, uh, yeah we're not really looking to Europe so so all these skills experience and network that I had was of no value to anyone not yet and that was a big <laughs> yeah not, not at that time no that was a big that was a big eye-opener to me uh, I thought it'd be easy to come in yeah. with my experience and, and education to get a job but I couldn't and this is how I ended up starting my own company And the interesting
0: story that I read about you as well, how you started the company on a boat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do you want to explain a little bit about that and and what that
1: experience was like? Sure. Um, So I read a lot, and I read a lot about entrepreneurs in Canada, and that gave me the inspiration to do a list over the top 100 entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in, in Atlantic Canada because I wanted to meet with them, I wanted to get my face in front of them and say, "I, I can do all these things. Do you have any idea to how I, I I can get a job?" And on that list was uh, was John Risley, and um, I had moved to Chester when I when I first came, mm-hmm. and John lived in Chester, and he looked at my CV and, and he called me and said, "Do you want to have a chat?" And he was a part owner of a um, manufacturing plant in in Chester called Hubble Industries with propellers, winches, that kind of thing for fishing boats. And he had this vision that it could somehow also work in the oil and gas industry. Okay. And he said, well, you, you, like you're from, you're from Europe, Danes, and Norwegians, all those people are so uh, intertwined in this industry. And this gear is an opportunity there. So I said, "Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. Don't know anything about it." I was going to say, did, "Did he just assume that you would know because you're European?" <laughs> no, no, no. He okay. was, he was so smart. He was way ahead of me. He was saying <laughs> the culture and the businesses and understanding, mm-hmm. uh, learning from these people and taking it back to Nova Scotia. Saying, "What could the bridges be?" But as I know nothing about fishing, I mean, I'm allergic to seafood. There you go. Uh, <laughs> he's, He said, uh, I said, can I go on a dragger? Can I go on a fishing dragger and learn how to, how they fish? Wow. And so I ended up on a, a beautiful dragger, and his peers are the Lumenberg and um, a few weeks. And I don't think that these guys that was on the dragger were all crazy happy about having this little Long girl on the boat. Yeah, uh, it's, it is. It that's work, right? It's about money. It's long shifts, and so they they showed me how to put on a survival suit and how to sip it up in case the boat would go down. And they said, "What's the name of your company?" In case the boat goes down for the insurance. And I didn't have a company, right? I said mm-hmm. uh, Kizilob International. So Kizilob is the town where I was born and grew up and where my parents lived. So that's how, that's how it ended up with that name, but it was probably the best trip I ever had in Canada.
0: Yeah, and your first job in Canada too. So yeah. what an experience! Yeah. And not a, people who are born and raised in Nova Scotia don't even have experiences like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, back to the, when you mentioned uh, when you, you know, arrived here, you made a list of the top 100 business leaders in Atlanta, Canada, and you called every single person on it. And, and that's, you know, how you got your first job and how you got your foot in the door. Um, was that nerve wracking? I mean, I don't really know a lot of people who would just even nowadays or, you know, 30 years ago, pick up a phone and, and call people cold call like that. So what was that
1: experience like? I think the, the big difference um, is culture. Mm-hmm. So, I later in life read that book, The Fathers, which was about all the, the the wealthy families in in Nova Scotia mm-hmm. uh, or in Atlantic Canada. But at the time, none of these very impressive families or or dynasties were daunting to me, mm-hmm. because you know the Irving was just another name. Yeah, all these all these company names and all these. These people, I saw them more as an inspiration where I think when you were born and grew up there, you might you might feel that the gap between you and them were much bigger. Or there's like, a bitterness or something, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think bitterness, but I think the, oh, that's unreachable, mm-hmm. right? I didn't have that. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's interesting. Oh, he's interesting. I want to talk to him. So I didn't have the. I wasn't intimidated by calling them. Yeah, I think culture made a big positive difference in in this case. Mm -hmm. And I had to live, right? I had to get a job, so. It worked.
0: Yeah. It worked. Yeah. So you support charities, you're a mentor to many people, um, and won awards, you know, business awards, women of excellence, women of influence. Um, You know, how important is that for you to be a mentor for people?
1: The mentor part is key. Mm-hmm. It's key to my mental health, to feeling that um, I give back and what I do matters. It is key to our business health because it influences other decisions that we make. And I think it's key to all our staff, inspiring them to do the same thing. hmm I think the mentoring part, whether it is uh, youth, whether it's women, whether it's in in Nova Scotia, uh, ISANS, the Immigrant Settlement Association, whether it's fellow immigrants or any of the other provinces, I think the mentoring part is, is so vital to existing in the business model that we have, too. Mm-hmm. So apart from the very personal satisfaction I think you get from from having the privilege of co- being able to contribute uh, and, and even positively influence somebody's life,
0: Yeah,
1: that translates all the way into what I make my money on and, and what I do every day at business, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit too about recognition. So, you know, with all these uh, awards and, and recognition that you've received after having a little bit of a hard time, you know, Getting into what you're doing now, in, when you first are, uh, moved here, how has this recognition changed you?
1: It it's like any recognition. It's like coaching the soccer team I coached in, in Chester and Bridgewater. When these kids come over and they're so happy, and they like tuck in your arm and they're they're excited, and it's the same feeling. Yeah, it's that energy and enthusiasm you get, and that translates positivity into your life and everything else you do in in business life it it becomes a little more concrete right it's the the rbc immigrant uh, award is a big heavy thing mm-hmm. it's a it's a big comforter you're <laughs> accepted It's it's if you can't say this anymore because of twitter but it's like the blue mark on twitter right, right? <laughs> but so it gives you some sort of personal acceptance it gives you an idea that you make a difference but the biggest part i think is the positivity mm-hmm. and this is why for uh most inspiring immigrants um of Atlanta land of canada we we really encourage people to nominate someone yeah. because just a nomination you don't have to stand out with the trophy at the end of the day and our alone
0: means the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just to be recognized by your peers and people yeah. in your community. Um, you were yeah. named one of the most inspiring immigrants in Atlanta, Canada in 2021, by the way. So congratulations. Um, and you're Thank not you. only a past honoree, but also the chair of the advisory committee for the most inspiring immigrants in Atlanta, Canada. Uh, can you tell us why you think it's important uh, for you to be on those committees?
1: I think it's important that you have people on the committee who understands the journey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the journey from Europe to Canada can be much less daunting than, than some other journeys that we see. Mm-hmm. I am I'm I'm keenly aware of that, and we have a, a committee of people who are very well uh, established in Atlantic Canada, inspiring business leaders. Um, We have a committee that together, I think, forms that framework of the pattern of what Atlantic Canada is today. Mm -hmm. So understanding the people that come to Atlantic Canada, the people that establish, the people that stay, the people that create jobs, the people that have kids, that is so important to be a part of. And as long as I can contribute in some way. I absolutely uh, will continue to do so, whether it is on a board, on a committee, um, in my community, otherwise, as a mentor or anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you hear these speeches, uh, and there are some beautiful, uh, both in your past podcast, but yeah. but also on the videos online at East Coast Experience, you hear these speeches of how much it means to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then up. I would double my volunteering if I had time.
0: I know it's, it does get a little emotional when you're there and and get to see it in person. Yeah. It is really impactful. Um, So we've touched on, you know, the the challenges, the struggles that you had when you um, came to Canada and you had established yourself in the business world in Denmark. And that really experience as we were kind of chatting about, wasn't really recognized when you, when you arrived in Canada, is that something that needs to change to help
1: immigrants? It's a good question. Um, I think it was 2007, 2008. I wanted to establish this new business and it was called Exporting with Immigrants. So I wanted, uh, and we went to ISANS at the time. We established this directory, I think 150 immigrants from all over the world. And we wanted companies in Nova Scotia to be able to call someone. And hire an immigrant for a day or whatever, whatever time they needed. Okay. When they wanted to go to Poland or they wanted to go to China. And our, our immigrant community was a lot smaller back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and they shouldn't just be networking. They should actually be paying this person, right? Yeah. Um, if it was young people, maybe they wanted to see if they could develop, if they had contacts. So... Kind of matching the two, but also cutting down the sales cycle, mm-hmm. because these people would know the culture. They would know uh, who to talk to, maybe how to talk to them in the local languages. They may avoid some of all the mistakes that I made when I moved to Canada. Yeah. So that would, that would be in recognition of what this person knew of their homeland. Mm-hmm. That has changed a lot since, even since 2007 and 2008. But I think the cultural part is the biggest part. If you come with a master's from a university in the UK or in France, people understand it. They don't necessarily always understand all the things in between. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is culture. And that was what I struggled the most when I don't know how many times I heard. So do you speak Dutch? no because they do that in Holland, not in right. Denmark. <laughs> and and while I worked for a big American um, commodore computer manufacturer, they were bought by a Dutch company uh, Escom, and and people couldn't relate to that in North America. I was like so it was easier to mm-hmm. just say we're not gonna like okay, you're from over there. you're from over there. <laughs> but not fully understanding, not perhaps putting the educational and the work experience on par with what we have. And I think we're a lot better at that today.
0: Yeah, than we were. 2007 was not that long ago. So it's uh, amazing to see the changes and how fast it is. And those changes can be really positive um, for everyone. So it's uh, amazing to see well, things change like that.
1: When I moved to Halifax, I couldn't watch my favorite soccer team. Uh it's a British team. Okay. Liverpool. No I couldn't watch the European Cup because in soccer. Because yeah. they didn't show it yeah. anywhere. There was no streaming, right? Uh I think it's probably only the last 50, 10, 15 years. But the European Cup would be nothing. And I would I would close the office, I would take all the staff, and we'll go down to the <laughs> elephant and I can't remember that father's called and, and say, please, can we please see it on your screen? Yeah. Culturally, we're just very different, even though we may look alike in a lot of ways mm-hmm. or language things, right? I, local English is hard. It is.
0: Yeah. When you were writing, uh, or after you wrote your book, Tales from an Immigrant Entrepreneur, one Woman's story, you did uh, a few book signings, and I saw some of the pictures and, you know, it's what an interesting, you know, accomplishment, and not only that, but just to meet people and sign their books. Is there someone that, or a story, somebody that stood out at one of your book signings? Maybe someone that really took that book to heart?
1: Oh, there's many. Um, yeah, I did start to do a tour. Unfortunately, my um, unfortunately my father passed away. I'm so sorry. Um so I didn't get to do the full tour, but I'm doing mm. an update of the book. Okay. That talks about how we dealt with COVID. So, mm. so hopefully that will be a little bigger this time. But a lot of people, uh, particular maybe a woman in Newfoundland mm-hmm. who came over um, and she didn't want, well, I, I think she was uncomfortable approaching me. Okay. I think she was Indian mm-hmm. uh, and she was in the back of the line, but she kept when new people came in, she kept going further back in the line uh, or staying back in the line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she did come up till the very end when everybody has almost gone. And she said that for her, she went to, um, I can't remember what it was called Newfoundland, but it was like equivalent to dress for success Okay. and got this outfit. So she could go to a job interview mm. and, she read the book and she said, I went to the confident. I went to the interview being me, but with your confidence. Wow. And she got the job. I'm oh um, getting almost done now. <laughs> and she got the job. Like she said, that gave me the confidence. So, and I said that when I wrote the book, if I can change the life for one person, mm-hmm. then then it, had, it has done what it should do. Right. But that was a lot of it. That was a lot of what people said. It gave me the confidence to keep going. Yeah. Because it's tough to get 50 no's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that And you can get that not being an immigrant, but getting them in a foreign language <laughs> and getting them in a, in a country where you just feel more rejected because nobody is really interested in getting to know who you are. I think. Yeah. I think that that's tough to overcome.
0: And like and the I culture think
1: too that you said, yeah.
0: culture barriers for sure.
1: And that's mostly that – that was the biggest story for me. It was people who said, I'm so glad you said it didn't work because nobody says it doesn't work. There's all these self-help books on I can do things yeah, uh, and, and little um, things I have to fill out and methodical ways of doing things. But nobody says well, it doesn't work. That was a lot of it for people to say. You said this didn't work, and it hurt, but
0: yeah, so like yeah. kind of accepting failure may happen, and that is part of you know being realistic about anything in someone's life. We're all going to probably struggle and fail at one point, and it's about getting back up, right?
1: yeah, it was it was funny because when um, you have to do this citizenship test, which I did very late in my in my journey. And and I'm threading, up, trying to thread carefully here because we we actually did an experiment. So all my male friends and all my female friends mm-hmm. were helping me prepare for this test. And, and there are some questions in there like, when was the Quebec Pension Fund oh established? Gosh. Something that's
0: <laughs> I can't roll my eyes. Learned <laughs> Who knows that?
1: <laughs> so, so that I can't remember. It was twenty. 20, 20 or twenty-five questions, but all my female friends, when I passed, I had two wrong. Okay. All my female friends said, "Which two did you get wrong?" All my male friends said, "Awesome!" <laughs> Great congratulations! They Doesn't didn't take focus much. On wrong. <laughs> they, they couldn't care less about the ones that were wrong. Yeah. Right. But the women, the girls, focused on the two that was wrong, and I think. I think I'm not making this into a gender thing at all, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a lot of it is the focus on what you do wrong instead of all the successes that you have. So having your wrongs and saying, well, I learned something from that. Just move on.
0: Yeah. Use it for the future. That is such a key lesson. Mm -hmm. So when I was looking at pictures of you uh, during your book signing tour, uh, there was also another picture that stood out um, of you with some sled dogs and you looked totally cool. Is that something that you do often? Um, you know, what what kind of hobbies do you have?
1: Um, you know, what do you like to do? My uh, heart is very close to Greenland. Mm-hmm. And that picture that you saw mm-hmm. is probably from Willa in Greenland. Um, and ever since I was a little girl, my my. My mom and dad lived and worked in Greenland for many years. My two bigger siblings are born in Greenland. Um, So I always wanted to go on a sled dog tour. Mm -hmm. And I think in 2009, I started working in Greenland. Uh, We later opened an office in Greenland. But uh, this one time, I got to be on the sled with all the sled dogs for work mm-hmm. in one of the most beautiful parts in the world in Ilulissat in Greenland. And that was a dream. And it was work. It was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if, if I could, I said this since I was a little girl, it's not a hobby. But if, if I could, when I would get older, I would have an orphanage, a dog kennel, And then I added a winery when I got a little. (laughs) That's
0: very busy, (laughs) busy days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and what, is that still on your list of things to do?
1: All those things. I'm in that age group where aging parents, uh, I now have my mom left Mm -hmm. is, is a big, it takes up a lot of room and it's something that I want to do. It's something that I have the luxury to do. So so it that doesn't leave a lot of time for for hobbies or, mm-hmm. or all the other things that you like to do. I think that in ten years and twenty years, I'll still be working in some shape or form, not in a not in the quantity, hopefully, that I'm doing now. <laughs> but traveling, which I do for work, is also a hobby. Uh, I love to see live music. I love to go. Uh, and watch soccer wherever I am. I see the record boys play in Jamaica and I'm happy. Yep. Um so I'm very fortunate that I have been able to to combine the things I like to do with work. Mm-hmm. So my personal life and my work life kind of melts a little bit together and I don't have a <clears throat> I don't have excuse me I don't have a good vision of which one is going to be turned down first? <laughs> Volume.
0: Yeah. And it, when you're traveling and, and you know, I, I read online too, that you've been over to over 90 countries for your work. Is there any favorite places? I know you said you love Greenland. Is there another place that you just like look so forward to visiting?
1: Oh, but I can't. Pick I know. One. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you on us on the spot. It's so many different things and so many different. No, I can't pick one. I mean, they all have they all have a special place in my heart for mm-hmm. for some experience or another. If I could pick any people in the world, I would pick people in Newfoundland. It's the nicest people in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for but but the winters, oh my, yeah, beauty. Um, yeah. yeah. uh, no. <laughs> I mean, Green is gorgeous. Uh, people as well. Doors is fantastic. No, like I can't pick one. It's too hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you could do redo your immigration to Canada, is there something that you would change one thing, two things? What, what would you
1: do different? Of, of personal things I did or would I change people, things for people in the future to come? I think personal things. I think I learned a good way, but this this is the way I learn in life. I'm a tactile learner. Mm-hmm. So so learning by doing fits well with me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think I th- I think I could probably have added a couple of years to my life if if I had been better prepared the cultural part. Right. Um if I if I researched more before I moved, if I understood the culture better. Mm-hmm. But then again, the things that happened in that whole really tough process of, of getting established and getting recognized have probably helped me shape what I am today and and where I am today. Mm -hmm. I might have started differently and worked somewhere first rather than starting my own. Okay. Now I, you know, that, that piece on the tracker and that uh on the fishing tracker and on the scalp tracker on the working with hubble industries was a short period in my life in Canada Mm -hmm. I might have extended that in in another company um to get more experience and my bridge my my way to success would have been shorter but then again I'm I'm not hoping to be a huge company in a publicly traded company or something so I don't mind that the road is long Mm. I'm not looking for that road to be sure easier at a point at times maybe but not shorter so not a lot of things no I don't think so
0: all right well I think that's really positive you wouldn't change much you you learned I guess from the experience right yeah yeah Thank you, Purnell. And thank you to everyone for joining us today for this episode of Our Guest Is. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on myeastcoastexperience.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. Plus, don't forget you can follow My East Coast Experience on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and I hope you join us for our next episode.